This is the Everything EV Podcast by EV Powered. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everything EV Podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything electric. I'm your host, Charlie Atkinson, and in these episodes we'll be discussing everything to do with electric travel. So whether it be cars, bikes, boats or even planes, we'll have it covered. We'll also be speaking to people from within the industry to get their views on the EV space, as well as other features such as electric car reviews, electric motorsport coverage, and much, much more along the way. This podcast is available on all streaming platforms, so be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts from to receive every single episode as soon as it's released. And please do go back and check out all our other episodes too. In this episode, I'll be speaking to Kate Tyrrell, the co-founder of ChargeSafe. ChargeSafe's mission is to create an inclusive charging experience for everyone by delivering an independent five-star rating system to ChargePoint operators to enable EV owners to charge safely and accessibly. Kate is here today to talk about the journey of ChargeSafe, where the inspiration for the company came from and what the future has in store. So Kate, welcome first of all. Now, I just wanted to start with a bit of a background to ChargeSafe because I was on the About Us page of your website yesterday and there's a really interesting story behind it. So could you just take us through that in your own words and, and how that led to the creation of ChargeSafe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started driving an EV as part of my full-time position with my energy. I had a company car um, as one of the perks, otherwise I just wouldn't have been able to afford a transition that early um and my role was events and relationships manager so i was driving up and down the country all the time in an ev which was absolutely fine um you learn things along the way like keeping an extra 30 to 50 miles worth of range um on top of the journey that you're intending to do so i was i was quite well versed in it um by the time we had the experience. So what happened was I was driving back from Grimsby to Portsmouth on a a Friday evening. It was just before COP26 in Glasgow. So I was, you know, I had a lot of things on my mind. I needed to get back to Portsmouth to pack to drive back up to Glasgow. And uh, and it was was really late. So I was driving along the A3, came across a section of road that had actually been um, shut off for roadworks, which my navigational system hadn't advised me of. And uh, and then I was I was kind of stuck um, in Farnham, which is an area that's unfamiliar to me. I don't normally have to divert through there. So I thought, okay, this is diversion. I I don't really know where I'm going. And I was losing that excess mileage that I had saved on top of my my journey time. So I thought, well, I should probably stop to charge. And in stopping to charge, I lost even more range because I was driving around looking for these chargers. So I had three separate charging experiences within a very small window um, that evening. So it's about 11, 11.30 by the time I arrive in Farnham Town Centre. The first charger I went to was tucked behind a leisure centre in a public car park. It was very dark. Um, it was uh, pretty abandoned. There was nobody there bar some youths in a car that was you know just chilling in the car park but it was enough to make me feel a bit vulnerable because it was quite late at night and I think you know there is just a this perception that if you drive an EV you must be extremely wealthy (laughs) which I wasn't um so you know I've I've got out to plug the car in um notice that there's no contactless payment so I would have to register via an app to use the charger And I think the longer that I stood there just trying to work this out, the more vulnerable I felt. I'm stood outside of the car. It's unlocked. I've got my keys. I've got my card and my phone on me. And I just freaked out and thought, no, there's got to be a better one. So I jumped back in the car, 
found uh, a, another charger around the corner um, at a supermarket. It was a little supermarket. So I just assumed they're going to have good lighting. It's going to be more visible. Um, I'll go there. I'll feel safer. So I drove into the car park and the supermarket are apparently very energy savvy and had all their lights switched on. So that wasn't a great start. The charger was located underneath a tree in the back end, uh, which was a corner of the car park, and it wasn't visible to the road. So it was just below the road that was running past it. So if anybody drove on the road next to the charger, they just wouldn't have seen me sitting there charging. And I could see to the right of that charge point, there was a dark alleyway. And so instantly my back's up. I, I don't know who could be around. Um, and I was a bit shaken up and a bit scared by this. So jumped out of the car again, tried to plug in and it didn't initiate. So then I'm on the phone <laughs> to the charge point operator, you know, in tears because I, I was like, I don't feel safe. This is really not a nice location for be charging in late at night. There's no lighting. Are, are there any cameras here? And I was just freaking out. They, they couldn't get the charger to work. So I had to hang up quite abruptly. And I actually called back the following day to apologize to the person who'd taken the phone call because I, I just thought that must have been such an awful call to take from a you know a woman crying down the phone saying I don't feel safe <laughs> I was like can you please just let the lady know that I got home okay like it's fine it wasn't that dramatic but it, it wasn't a nice experience and then I ended up going to a uh, petrol station that was nearby to use another charger so three totally different networks in three totally different locations and that wasn't working um, it was also not on the well-lit forecourt. It was tucked around the back in the darkness and away from the road. So it just, again, it wasn't safe. So I had, at this point, 24 miles range left, so 22 miles range left, and the next charger was 24 miles away at a service station on the M3. So already I know that I'm going to have to drive at 70 on the motorway in order to get there. And as we know, your range is reflective of how you're driving the vehicle. So I thought, well, there's no way that I'm going to make this with the mileage that I have left. So I had to drive along the M3 at 15 miles per hour on the hard shoulder with my hazards on. The car kicked into turtle mode, <laughs> which is, you know, what happens when you get below a certain range level. I have the heating shut off. I have the music shut off and my phone battery was dangerously low too. So I, I you know, I was shaking thinking, if I break down, um, if I run out of range here, I can't even call for help. I've put myself in a ridiculously unsafe situation. It's really late at night. It was gone midnight by this point and And it, it was just awful. I was scared I would be pulled over by the police. And if I got pulled over, if I stopped the car, would I be able to start it again? And these are all things that nobody should have to go through. Um, all because I felt say unsafe at the, the very first charger. Otherwise I would have stayed there and I would have charged enough to get home. I, I didn't even need 100%. I just needed enough um, range to get home, which would have been about 50 miles. So uh, yeah, it was it was horrific. My partner was on the phone. He told me exactly where I would find the charger at the service station, which was lucky because as you drive into the service station, it's not immediately obvious where they would be. Um, and the next day I, I was just so wound up by it. And I thought, well, I could go on Twitter and I could call out all these different charge point network operators but I don't know if they would do anything. So what encourages change? And my partner and I were having this discussion and he's a software developer and he was like, no, let's, let's just do something about it. Instead of moaning about it, let's actually do something to change this. So 
we came up with Charge Safe. <laughs> and we thought, you know, if, if we were giving every location a five-star rating, similar to your hygiene rating, you know, you wouldn't go to a restaurant unless you're exceptionally courageous, that was three or less. Why would someone want to charge at a location that scored three or less in terms of personal safety? And the more that we thought about it, the more that the idea evolved, I went to COP, I got speaking to Graham Cooper at National Grid. I said, Graham, I've got this idea. And he said, that's, that's a fantastic idea, Kate. Have you thought about including accessibility? I was an able-bodied person. I hadn't even given it a second thought. I will admit that. Um, so I started to research the accessibility elements. We've spoken to Motability, the charity. We looked at the user research. We had to look at the uh, draft of the PAS 1899 that they've been um, uh, funding in line with OZEV. Uh, for you know these these new regulations coming in we've spoken to people who have accessibility needs we've talked to them about what measures what's important to them and we've just come up with this the 63 point inspection plan um, so that we can assess safety from a personal safety perspective we're not looking at wiring regulations or anything like that but from an environment perspective how safe would you feel if you had to charge on your own late at night or any time of the day really and from accessibility point of view, would everybody be able to use this charger? Um, and here we are, <laughs> eight months later. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to list all 63 points on, on that checklist, but what are some of the key features and the key things that you do look out for? I, I suppose one way to ask this would be if you had to build the most perfect, safe and accessible charging point there is, what features would be the priority for you and what would get that five star rating? Okay, so to get the absolute five star, we would want it to be completely visible to any passing by, whether that's vehicle or, or, or footfall. Um, so ideally, it would be placed nearby a facility uh, that has usable loose uh, food and drink access with staff on it 24-7, or at least security staff 24-7. It would be well lit, as in there would be... Uh, lights directly over the charge points themselves and lighting in the local area and, and leading up to the charge point. Security cameras en route so that you're filmed driving towards the charger as well as over the charger so that if something was to occur, you, you've got um, video footage of, of whatever's happened um, for your own safety. There would be clear signage leading up to the charge point so you're not playing hide and seek with it and you know exactly where it is when you're you're driving into the the vicinity that it's in um the road quality would be good so you're not gonna you know go down a pothole and give yourself a flat tire meaning you can't then drive away from the charge point so you know there's just so much involved in, in just in the environment itself um so there would be busyness in the area and even late at night at least a, a 24 7 security guard nearby um so that you know, in the worst case scenario, what we're talking about, Charlie, is if you're screaming, someone's going to help you. And that is the grim reality of the personal safety at charge points. And then on the facility side of things, making sure that they're accessible and that they're clean and, you know, nicely staffed. From a functionality perspective, we're looking to see that they've got contactless payment facilities or literally very simple instructions so that even a very first time EV chargee would know exactly how to use that charger within seconds of pulling up to the charge point itself, because some of the charge points just expect us to know and be experts in how to plug in. And do you put the plug in first and then 
tap your payment card or do you tap the payment card to unhook the plug? It's it's not obvious. And that really needs to be very, very simple. The pre-off policy, huge. Um, you know, who wants to pay £30 for a charge point that then doesn't work and wait 30 days to get that money back? Because you don't need that money in 30 days. You need it now. So if you pay 30 quid, the charger fails to initialize and then you've got to go and find another charger. If you only had £40 in your account to begin with, because we're not all affluent, lovely, you know, cash rich people, um, you won't be able to get a charge at another charge point elsewhere. So pre-off policy comes into it as well. And just general operations and maintenance. So a network that really takes care of, of their charge points doesn't leave things without an engineer's call for six months. Um, for example, you know, if somebody's looking to use a charger, it should be reliable. It should be working um and, and and customer service as well so you know how quickly are you answering those phones and all of these things factor in to ensure that somebody can access a charge point plug in pay use it safely and leave in a in a timely manner yeah it's interesting that usability comes into that as well because i, I mean about five days ago i was throwing a tantrum with a public charger because i just could not get this thing to work whatever i did and then i was trying to use the one next to it and, and that wouldn't work as well so they they can be an absolute nightmare, can't they? Yeah. And then literally like add to that being like eleven thirty midnight and you're on your own. And you not only do you just desperately want to get home, but then you're scared on top of it. It's just not a pleasant experience to have. And we should be more dignified in our charging experience than that. You know, I I hated that I had to call someone and then burst into tears because I felt so desperate. It's it's just not okay. No, not at all. And now you said that the idea for ChargeSafe started around the time of COP26. So what's been the actual journey of the company from, from then to where you are today? I mean, starting a business is just a wild ride. Um, <laughs> at the time when ChargeSafe started, I had a job that I just loved. I loved the business. I loved my boss. I loved the job. It was so good. And then I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to leave my job. <laughs> to pursue this dream of making charging inclusive for everyone. Um, so that was a difficult thing to kind of just accept initially. And then we were we were like, okay, how are we gonna how are we gonna do this? Because the idea came before we even thought about how we would monetize it in order to sustain the business and deliver the service. So we were like, oh okay, we're gonna have to have to pay for this somehow. So how do we do that? So then it was like breaking every element down looking for those monetization um, uh, opportunities. How are we going to fund it? So do we look for investment? We were pitching to people. We were having to really understand the product in the market and, and investors. I mean, that's just, that's a whole new minefield. Like with, you know, we still haven't to this day actually secured any investment and we went down a different route, which was to focus on delivering a service how can we do this? How do we get clients on board initially? So that's how we are now operational. Um, but if there's anybody out there, give me a call. Um, <laughs> so we looked at what value we could bring to ChargePoint Network operators. Very early days, literally, I um, I think during the first week of COP, I put out a tweet saying, hey, everybody, what would make you feel safer at ChargePoints? And it gained a lot of traction. And it also caught the interest of Ian Johnston from Osprey. And he, he DM'd me and he said, oh, okay, I'm, you know, I'm watching this with interest. I'm watching this thread with interest. And I was like, hey, I might have something that's gonna change this. Um, would you be interested in hearing from me when I've got something? And he said, yeah, absolutely, keep me in the loop. So that was great. So we already knew 
that at least one charge point network operator might be interested in something that we had to offer as a solution, which then made it a viable business. And um, we had a chat with Ian and he explained that it's not always down to the charge point network operator as to where the charge point's placed. And I think early days, I thought, yeah, it's the network's fault. Um, they're the ones that decide where these charge points go. They're the ones looking up after operations and maintenance, you know, site accessibility, all of this stuff. But it's really not. It comes down to so many different parties in that the landlords may not let them um, have more space to make the base accessible. The grid connection um, can dictate where the charge points go if the landlord doesn't want to wait for planning permission to, to put it in a, a friendlier place. And the operations and maintenance could come down to the contracts that they have um, already out there, as in if they have O&M teams that are contracted by a certain supplier and they're not able to get the staff out, you know, there are impacts by COVID that might delay that process. There's just so much that goes into it that we haven't really considered. So we were like, okay, how do we make this a thing that's not bashing the CPOs over the head and saying, you know, you're crap, like get better. And how do we make this a supportive mechanism? So what we've done is made the, the system a, a facility whereby we're collecting data that will support these networks to make improvements. So we're say, for example, we're up in Birmingham and one charge point to the left gets a 3.9 and the other one gets 4.6. And the CPO who's 3.9 wants to know why they've scored in that way. So they will know the score that they have, but they won't be able to understand exactly why they've scored in the way that they have unless they subscribe to our <laughs> subscription service, as Osprey have done. So then Osprey get to look at these really detailed reports to see whether they've ticked yes or no, or whether they've got a five star or three star in terms of their lighting quality. Um, so they get their heads up on what they need to do to improve the site to make it better for customers. Um, whereas the other ones wouldn't necessarily have that information. So we we went for a process of understanding what would be a relevant thing to inspect, what's going to benefit the CPOs, but also what does the end user want for a seamless charging experience? And then we were like, okay, well, how do we get this information out there, right? So we want everybody to have visibility of these scores. So what we'd like to do is connect with as many mapping applications as possible. There's not a one size fits all here. We want it to be on Google, we want it to be on Waze, we want it to be in car satellite navigational systems, as well as the likes of Electric Juice, SatMap, you know, WhatsApp, Plugin, uh, uh, PlugShare, CoCharger. We want it on everybody's application so that no matter what app you're using, you will be able to see what the charge safe score is of the location. Then the data will also serve things like local authorities, government level, like to understand, you know, which um, counties are safest and, and, and to help those local councils actually be incentivized to put more budget behind their infrastructure to make it a more um, attractive place for, you know, visitors. So there, there's just many, many levels that it's working on. So in order to answer where we're at today, Charlie, I'm getting that, I'm getting that. <laughs> so we've got Osprey uh, signed up as our first um, ChargePoint Network subscriber, meaning that they get raw data on their sites and they can understand where to put budget in order to make 
um, improvements on legacy sites and future sites, rather than splashing money on things that they might not necessarily have to pay out for. Um, so that's really helpful. And we just announced uh, over the weekend 3TI. So they've got this Papilio unit. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen it? Yeah, well, that's actually what made me get in touch with you because I'd seen loads of stuff about you guys and I was following 3TI quite closely as well. And then I saw some news about the two of you. So I thought now's the perfect time to, to get you on the podcast. <laughs> you were like, I have to speak to her. <laughs> so uh, the Papilio unit, they actually, 3TI already build solar car parks. Um, and what I didn't realise until the other week is they're responsible for, for the Bentley car park. Um, and I think the JP Morgan one as well. But don't don't correct me on that. I, I'm pretty sure that that's what they're, they're responsible for. But th these are already really cool, you know, huge solar car parks. Um, and then they've got this portable solution, which is a storage unit, which has the solar on top. It's got battery storage in it. And then it, it charges EVs and they can pop it down anywhere um, in, in like council car parks, workplaces, wherever just needs a, a solution for EV charging. And, and, and they're there. So they they kind of got in touch and said, we want to know if you would deem our unit as safe and accessible. So we've done an ex an inspection on the actual unit as it is right now, which scored 4.09. And they're going to make revisions to that unit using our, our recommendations to make it safer and accessible. Um, and then when they release their second version come September, we will re-inspect that unit. And then whenever it goes down um, into a, a, a particular environment, we'll then pay a visit to each location and score based on the location, uh, which will then hopefully be shared with mapping applications um, so that people can understand what, what that looks like in terms of picking a destination charger. So really exciting to kind of be involved with a CPO, but also someone who's looking very much at the development stage, so really early on, um, which is great that people are, are taking this so seriously. So that's that. And we do have a mapping application contract signed that will be announced in the next couple of weeks but that means that the scores will be will be available publicly um hopefully very soon okay perfect and now i did just want to go a bit in depth with how charge safe actually works and, and apologies if you've covered any of these points already but who actually carries out the physical assessments of each charging point is it subjective to charge safe or are they independently regulated by a third party and and also how do you how often do you visit each network? Is it a yearly thing where you, you go each year and you get a new score each year? How does how does it work on that side? Great question. So this works in two different ways. So we've got ChargeSafe Pro and ChargeSafe Lite. So ChargeSafe Lite will work using uh, public inspectors. So if you, the next time you're at a Charger Charlie, you could literally log into our online portal um, and register as a user and answer 10 very simple, very quick questions about the environment, which will give us uh, an idea of what that looks like. So if anything comes in at a three star or lower, that will red flag on our system as a priority for us to go out and do the pro inspection, which is 63 points. So on the public side of things, we will be uh, releasing an application that has gamification features. So if you think uh, Pokemon Go meets a, a EV charging mapping application, that's the kind of vibe that we're going for here because me my, my business partner James massive nerds we love it um and he's actually a uh he's a games developer uh 
avid he's VA in games development, but you know, he's so he's he's just amazing, very intelligent man. So he's been uh you know, developing the platform to include gamification features. There's now achievements that you can um earn and and that will eventually turn into real life rewards um so like you know the people who were with us from the very beginning have got the og status they're one of the original gangster inspectors and and that achievement has been locked now since we've opened it up to the public the first i think 30 inspectors we had volunteer with us have got that status but today we're actually at 96 (laughs) so it's it's pretty crazy. I'm I'm so chuffed of how quickly people have just jumped on board with this and, and people are excited. Like we thought it would be something whereby people would log in if they're at a charger, but we've got some of these guys are um testing new features and stuff for us and they're physically driving around purposefully to go and inspect new chargers because they want to gain more achievement points and stuff which is just great i love it i love it one guy um took his kids out because they just really enjoyed looking at the achievement points on on their portal so you know i i really see that developing and growing um, much more in in the future and, and what that does is, is build a community around those local chargers so that they'll be serviced regularly and if something goes wrong with them if it's graffitied if it's out of service if the if a light bulb goes out we will know which is great so we've got that that public feedback coming in um which is just brilliant and then we've got the the pro side of things so that's where inspectors that we employ will be driving around the country full-time purely just to inspect these units and that's using the 63 point inspection plan that is designed to deliver a completely unbiased independent score on how the charge point is rated. So on the safety side of things, it's much more of the qualitative type of data that we're gathering. What's the environment like? How would you rate it? Um, out of five stars, you know, how, how good is the lighting, which can only truly be assessed in the evening when it's dark. Um, so that you can see how bright it is and then the assessment stuff is much more quantitative in that it's physical measurements that you're taking a tape measure out with so I I can't go anywhere without a tape measure now um whenever I'm out and about if I see a charge point I'm like right that's it I'm going over I'm going to measure it up uh which is great so that side of things will be verified by a third party random we will pull out inspections that our inspectors have done just to ensure it's been done um appropriately without bias will be checking photographs uh, to ensure accuracy um, and and that will be contracted to to a third party so completely external function from us just to ensure that we are doing exactly what we say we're doing um, and on that note I think it's really important to just mention any charge point network operator that comes on board with us as a, uh, a subscriber is purely paying for the raw data. They have the raw data, they get a dashboard, they get to understand what their network looks like, but by no measure will they receive any sort of favoritism. And I've been very clear with Osprey on on signing up and and that will continue as we take on more and more clients. Um, There's no sponsorship or advertising available to any parties who could benefit um, as a result of, as a network, networks just can't sponsor or advertise with us at all because it's not fair so we're completely independent unique um yeah inspections so that's how that works 
I am the only inspector <laughs> right now. So it's just me right now. We are um, looking for investments so that we can employ more inspectors. And of course, as we take on more clients, we can also scale and grow um, with, with the amount of clients that we need to service. So that's how things look right now. Um, today, we have done just over 300 inspections. So we have cleared uh, West Sussex, Hampshire and Surrey. Um, in terms of the bracket charges, so everything that's 50 kilowatts and above has been inspected. Um, and, and then we're going to continue to go up the country and visit the Osprey sites as and when we, we get to them as well. So it's very much a humble startup phase. Uh, we, are, we are getting there. And, um, and as I say, I think just achieving any sort of investments or, or access and grants that we're applicable to will just unlock a whole new level. Um, of what we we can achieve. Okay, amazing. And now I was just curious if you've had any conversations with government at all, because I know they released their new standards for charging points a few months ago, and that and that seems to tie in exactly with what you guys are trying to achieve. So I just wondered if there's been any communication there at all. Oh yeah, oh, I would love to. I'd really love to be a part of that process. You know, so we we've, we've spoken to um, Ozev about some bits and pieces and and they're really keen to you know um have our, our feedback on some stuff and I, I really want to work with them but I think collaboration is key in this industry you know that there's there's room for everyone let's all work together let's fix and produce solutions for the problems that we're having we all know as EV drivers that things could definitely be improved but what I say to anybody who's who's looking to adopt the EV lifestyle is the infrastructure today is it will never be as bad as it is today because it's improving every day. We're putting more charges in the ground every day. We're being more conscious about where they're going and we're looking at the safety and accessibility every single day. So it's just a really exciting time to be in the industry. And as long as we go into it with an open mind and you know, with, with a, a, a moral heart, <laughs> you know, integrity is really important here um, to, to build a, a real functional, sustainable future infrastructure. Um, I'm happy to collaborate with anyone. So my inbox is always open. <laughs> yeah, lovely. And that actually leads quite nicely into my final question, actually. And and usually with these interviews, I get people to give me their sort of short term goals and, and what they see as the long term vision for the company. And I suppose this is the perfect way to, to end for you guys as, as ChargeSafe is brand spanking new. So what is that long term vision for ChargeSafe and what's on your to do list for the rest of the year? <laughs> so for the rest of this year, so we're what, early August now, um, I would like to at least onboard another two ChargePoint network operators as uh, formal clients to start um, hiring inspectors. So ideally, I would like to have three inspectors by the end of the year so that we're collecting as much information across the UK as possible. Um, I'd like them to be dotted out all over the country and hopefully we would have inspected every single rapid charge point by the end of 2022. So I think there's like 5,000 currently. If we could get three full-time inspectors, there's no doubt in my mind that we would be able to achieve that. Um, the, the application would be built and functional by the end of 2022. Into 2023, we're already thinking about Europe. You know, we've had calls with people and um, businesses in France. Um, it would be really exciting to do that. We could literally just replicate this model and, and take it over to Europe and, and take into consideration, I think, some of their uh, laws, policies and cultural differences. Uh, that would be quite an easy fix. And then long term in you know 10 years, 
to just continually maintain um, that framework to be able to deliver updates to charter point network operators as things change. By then, everything will be safe and accessible and working beautifully. And by then, our standards will be um, like a, a, an accreditation. So it would be, you know, the, the network would be charge safe uh, uh, certified on an annual basis rather than um, a, a month by month raw data release. It will be like we did charge safe standards and, and this is what we're doing. And who knows, who knows what's going to happen in future. We're looking at in, like, you know, induction charging might come along in the next 10 years. You never know. We might be swapping our batteries. We might be um, hiring automated vehicles to drive to our supermarkets. You just don't know. The, this industry is wide open. So I think the really important thing is to just roll with the punches and, and be you know, adaptive and evolve and not be stuck in one particular mindset about what we want to achieve. But big, big ambitions, um, but yeah, completely fluid to which direction we lead in. That's all for this episode. Many thanks for listening. And if you liked it, then please do check out all our other episodes and be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to make sure you get every single episode as soon as it's released. For daily news coverage, features and much more, you can also head over to evpowered.co.uk. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode of the Everything EV podcast.